bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist. Welcome everyone. I'm excited to be here today with another episode of Solo De Facto. Today's guest is an expert on customer service after formerly working at the Four Seasons. He's host of Five Star Council podcast and proprietor for Strohmeyer Law PLLC. John Strohmeyer, welcome to the show. Hey, Corey, thanks for having me. I am really excited about this conversation. I think we need to have more like this. Um, so I'm going to go right into the first question. Super. What's the what's the one thing you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm? So there's a lot, and I'm bringing this from my background of working in the Four Seasons. We want we want to take the lessons that apply to us from Disney and Four Seasons. There are great experiences, but what we want to make sure we're doing is that as attorneys, we're picking up the right lessons from them, and not just trying to ape everything that Disney and Four Seasons are doing. So, you know, clearly we want to take care of our clients. It doesn't mean that we're doing poolside drinks for our clients because that's what Four Seasons would do. It doesn't mean we're having character meet and greets because that's what Disney does. We need to focus on how we move the needle for clients and making sure that we're we're doing what it takes to get that done, not necessarily providing some over-the-top experience that clients really didn't ask for. I think some people don't understand this, um, you know, where you don't have to go over the top every single time and your client doesn't need the things that they're not expecting from you. (laughs) And sometimes there's those weird perks that is like, I don't even want that. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, so many of the clients, when I was still at the Four Seasons, they weren't looking to be wowed at every turn they just wanted us to provide a clean room and take care of them while they were staying in the hotel with us. That's totally fine. You're, you're exactly right. We don't need to you know, be looking for how do we wow or put things over the top at every interaction. So going deeper into that, what do you think is the key to a good experience with an attorney or a law firm? So remember that clients are coming to us to move the needle on some problem plan my estate, get somebody adopted, please get me out of jail, whatever that result is, focus on that. Behind that, you know, we're looking for how do we make sure that our clients know what's happening and that we're communicating with them regularly. So then the other side of it is, well, if we're thinking about what we're doing, making sure clients know how we're doing it and that they are informed about the process, we want to start thinking about what are the red herrings that are dripping into our client offerings. Like what are we doing that we think helps, but isn't actually moving the needle for the client? So this, this is what I call a red herring. It's things like, well, look, we have you know fine artwork hanging on the walls. Clients don't care about that. That doesn't help them you know, get their child adopted any faster just because you've got some great artwork on the walls or that you've got etched glassware that you're serving your custom drink menu. 
clients don't care about that. It doesn't mean don't have a pleasant experience, but there's certain just kind of minimum viable products to steal from the VC world that sure, you need to make sure your office is clean, but you don't need to make sure that they have you know over the top artwork or fancy furnishings because most clients aren't going to see it for more than an hour or so during the course of the engagement. Focus on what actually helps them. There's probably so much money that gets wasted on the wrong perks that could go towards things that actually help their clients, huh? Oh, right. It's just the way to think about it, or at least the way I think about it, is the money you're spending on things that don't help move the needle for your clients, whether it's a Yeti tumbler. I mean, there's a dentist near my house who offers free AirPods when you buy braces. This is a marketing spend. And there's nothing wrong with spending money on people coming in the door, but recognize there's a difference between what you're spending to get people in the door and what you're doing to actually deliver what they've come for. Yeah, because AirPods really aren't helping drive my dental procedures. (laughs) Exactly. I I, I see the sign. It's lit up and they're offering braces for 4,000 whatever dollars. Would they give me a discount equal to the price of the AirPods if I didn't buy them? Right. Or if and I the didn't answer, want them? The answer is very likely no. It's, you know, a standard. So what do you think is the biggest difference in customer service between a law firm and Disney or Four Seasons? What is that one thing that you, you would do so differently in a law firm? So again, the difference is when you're going to Disney in Four Seasons or any high-end restaurant, you know, or even a regular restaurant, you're going there for some level of entertainment, pampering, and fun. And that's fine. You know, like keep that where that is. That is a that is one part of what people will kind of all lump together as the service economy. You're going there for time off. You're going to enjoy your time with that company. When people come to a lawyer, when they're coming to a doctor, or an accountant, or have somebody come in to mow your lawn, you're looking for that result. And so what we're looking for is how do we make it as easy as possible, as quick as possible within the confines of what we need to do for clients? You know, having to take a medical analogy, having a 10 minute appendectomy would be great if it didn't require that we probably skip on a lot of the safety procedures that really make the surgery much more successful. And so we want to think about that. I mean, I was having a call with a client this morning. Sure, you know, in estate planning, we could probably have documents ready 10 minutes after the clients meet with us. What I found, though, is giving time, my clients some time to think about things. They thought over some of their gifts and they wanted to change how they were, they were going to be structured just because they realized what they were doing on that first meeting with me really wasn't what they wanted. And once they'd had some time to sit and think about it, heck, you know, they got to a closer version of their ideal plan. So it's not always, you know, I realize I just said, look, get it to them quick and easy. Same time, you've got to realize what is their ultimate goal? Is it really to get through a process as fast as possible? Or is it to get the right process? And so, sure, For me, I do want some slowness built in because I do want clients to think about it. If you're a criminal defense attorney listening to this, 
by all means, get them out of jail as soon as possible. Get them uh, resolved as quickly as possible. This is not to say everybody needs to build in some thinking time when you've got some clear orders. There probably is a difference even in between different sub industries of legal where, you know, you, like you said, the criminal attorney and the estate planning attorney are going to have different timelines on when they're trying to complete things. But I think the one thing that stands out to me as a commonality is nobody actually wants, they're not going to the attorney for an experience. They're literally just going because they have to, to get something done. And that should be your priority is to do that well. But how do you mesh that with the experience in a way that you're making that process easier for them without all of the bells and whistles? What are the little things that you can do that make that process as easy and smooth and seamless as it can be without offering them free AirPods for visiting you? Right. The the key, at least in my practice, is I've got, cli- I've got clients who need to make some decisions. They're going to make some complicated decisions. And so I need them to be educated. And what I found, one of the early things I did when I started my practice, every firm I'd worked at before, we'd send a summary letter along with drafts. So we had already met with clients. We'd come up with first version of documents. We'd Uh, may have talked through the overall plan with the clients a few times, but we were sending the definitions of what a trustee is, what executor is, what the different powers of attorney do when we were sending drafts. I found that if I sent them that summary before the first meeting, even if they just read through it once, they don't memorize it don't expect any of my clients to have memorized those de- the definitions, but just have a functioning relationship with some of the terms before they show up. It ends up making the process a lot easier because we end up having being able to say, well, all right, you're going to name an executor. They're going to do this. It's not the first time they've heard those words. And the real result is I saw that my initial meetings with clients dropped from a minimum of two and a half hours to sometimes as short as an hour. Why? People were educated. They knew what they needed to know beforehand. And over time, it's it's rarely gigantic shifts in how we do things. It's little tweaks. You know, we're going to send this email a few days before. We're going to send this right after. We're going to put people on different sequences. It's little changes here and there. We're taking risks to figure out what does actually work better for clients. It's not a one and done thing. It's a continuous improvement, but always looking to what are clients really trying to get done? How can we help them make that process easier? And ultimately, how can we make it easy for staff to do that as well? Yeah. So that example is kind of like a win, 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 because it's helping you save time. It's helping your clients to avoid that overwhelming feeling of not knowing anything that you're talking about. And then it's helping them by saving their time too. I think that's a brilliant example of a way to make the experience better. Thank you. And, you know, it was something, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners will get this, As an attorney, you have to explain certain concepts over and over to clients. And you explain them so many times that you just kind of phase out almost because you've, you know, I I just found this was true of me. I'd explain what an executor does so many times that, sure, I could spend my time doing that 
two clients. But if they don't, you know, if, if they can at least have the, the 10 sentences having passed through their head once before we talk, we're going to get to talk about deeper level issues with them in that meeting. We can use the time not for me to lecture them about something, but to really say, okay, well, what are you worried about? Or, you know, is cousin Johnny going to be the right guy to be your executor if we're not worried about him or if we're worried about him handling funds? It, it's more useful and we're not trying to cram as much in because we've got some extra time. Yeah. And that brings up something else for me that you're really helping to educate while it's almost like showing them your knowledge by showing them that they can have that knowledge without just assuming that they do, because there's so many times that what we do every day, we know in and out, we know it, that it seems like everyone else should know it too. And then you get to talking to somebody and they're just completely lost. feel like you are total quack because they don't understand a single word you're saying that has to really, really help in that way too, of just building some trust and understanding. Right. And so what we're doing is, you know, and it all feeds into the marketing work we do as well. The more we can educate people, the easier it is for them. And it does give them a certain baseline. So they know what they've done. We're, you know, it, like you said, I've been doing this so long, you forget how much you know, and you've learned so much, you assume everybody knows what you, what you think are just the basics. And then you have people come in and they have no idea what they're doing. And it's your job to get them up to speed. So one of the things I've been, uh, I've got special access to, the high school I went to does summer internships for their students. And we try and get three or four or five each summer. Why? We're putting some of these educational materials in front of our, our high school interns. And we want to make sure they understand what's going on. Because if they can read it and understand what we're saying to them, then it's a, you know, like if the high schoolers can get it, it's a good proxy for all of our clients. Because if they can get it, certainly our more sophisticated clients who are adults in their you know, 30s, 40s, 50s on up, they should be able to read that and understand it as well. Yeah. And I think that's something too, that um, there's this misconception that using all the big words that you know, and the words that you use every day in your own knowledge and skill set is going to make you look smarter to your potential client or the person that you're working with. But in reality, if they can't understand what you're saying, it doesn't help anybody. And so you actually look the smartest when you can explain things in ways that a high schooler could understand, especially like, I don't know many high schoolers that are doing anything with legal lingo to have even a baseline. So if you can get somebody to understand exactly what you're talking about, um, that's pretty impressive. Is there one thing that um, you have ever implemented thinking it would be, you know, this amazing experience for your clients and you realized this is a huge mistake. Nobody likes this. I should never have implemented this in my processes. Um, let me think. I'm, try- I'm sure there have, and this is where you're taking chances. You're trying new things. We've tried 
and I don't want to disparage any any products, but there are things we've tried where it's meant to help people, but clients are busy and getting them to focus on new things is always hard. You know, the thought, I mean, we set things up so that clients have an online document portal so they can log in and grab their documents. This is set up for everybody and clients have a hard time using it. We'll get emails weeks later after they've signed documents. Hey, how do I log into this? You know, these are the sort of things where in a lot of cases, they've gotten emails reminding them about this. And the email that we send follow-up sequences says, look, if you want your documents, here's where you go and get it. It's something that even though we're going to keep doing it, it's still things that we are constantly trying to make it clearer to clients. We've told you this, Ed, I'm sure, you know, how do I... How do I make it easy for the clients to get what they want, which is their documents? We're going to hold on to the originals because generally it's easier for us and clients don't want to hold on to those, but we look at it as here, we're going to make this easy for you and still running into the roadblocks of them losing things. Why do you think that it's so hard for so many attorneys to understand the importance of the client experience and that it doesn't need to look the way that it would at some place that is really focused on that entertainment and experience? It's important for lawyers to just recognize the difference. The problem that I've seen is that people go and say, well, look, I've stayed at Disney, I've stayed at Four Seasons or Ritz or you know, any of these high-end establishments they are not wrong that those are great experiences, but what they miss is the difference in what the outcome is looking to be. Again, when you go to Disney and Four Seasons, you're there to enjoy your time there. You're not looking for a bigger result. You're not trying to move the needle on a problem in your life the way you are when you're trying to go to a, a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant. You need those tangible results from professionals like us. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just focusing on what are you actually there for? How can we make it easier? And not pulling the, all right, well, when I was at Disney last time, you know, they, they had these free character interactions or we got to do this and this was you know, surprise, shock and awe. People aren't looking for that. You know, I like to say, nobody hires me hoping I'm gonna get them some gift. The gifts are nice, but in a lot of cases, I look at myself, I like to cook at home. I spent some silly money on a chef knife a few years ago. And so I'm really happy with the particular knife I got because it's got a few features that make things really easy for me in the kitchen. If somebody I went to went and got me an engraved set of knives, I'd look at it and say, you know, thanks, but now what do I do with this? Because I've got the knife I already like. And I spent a lot of time doing the research into the knife I wanted. If somebody were to just kind of say, oh, well, here, we got this for you. You like cooking because you once mentioned you like cooking. And so we got this one knife and engraved it. I'd say, well, why did you spend my money on that? You know, yes, I gave it to you. And now you're giving part of it back to me. I wasn't looking for that. You know, if I go to my accountant and says, here, we got you this thanks, but I've already got that handled. And so it's a bigger risk. And that's what I really want attorneys to realize is you're taking some big risks with your dollars 
when you invest in these over-the-top experiences. And it just may not be the right thing for you to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially when you put it that way that, you know, you have, you think you know them and you do know them to, you know, your clients to the extent that you need to for your work, but you don't actually know them well enough to decide what that one thing is going to be in most cases. Um, So if you were going to advise somebody who has been struggling, they're like, I know my client experience sucks right now. I have these ideas, but I don't know what is worth implementing. How do you, what, what advice do you give to tell somebody how they can figure out which pieces they should start with in their customer experience and how they, um, how they can really start working on making it better for their clients without being over the top. And so what we want to think about first, start from the beginnings. What are you doing to help your clients? What is the needle that you're helping them move? For me, it's making sure that there's no mess when they die. So how can we make sure everything gets lined up? Things then start to flow from that of here, this is how we help our clients. It's not just liberal application of billable hours to a client file. specific clients are coming to you for specific results. You need to nail down first what those results are. And then, again, we all have different practices. A lot of the answers are going to be unique to each practice because you're going to say, look, we're going to be high-end experts who are focused on helping clients in a particular way. The decisions you make will come out of that. And as an example, we don't think about McDonald's as high service, but it doesn't mean that they don't have a lot of things that they do correctly. You know, you you know, when you walk into a McDonald's, it's going to be clean. You know, you're going to have a consistent product. You know, it's going to be delivered quickly. Those are all choices that they have made. It is different than a restaurant at Four Seasons where, you know, because you're there, you are actively, table stakes were clean and consistent, but having the higher end experience Those are choices. Neither one is wrong, but they've both positioned themselves in the market so that they're they're both doing fine. You know, if you own Four Seasons stock and you own McDonald's stock, you're probably happy with the returns you generally get. And so starting to think about it as, all right, where are we going to position ourselves? How are we going to help clients? Then you're going to start looking at how do we make it easy for our clients? How do we make it easy for staff? Because they're the ones who are going to have to do most of this work? And then how do we make sure it lines up with what we, the owners, are doing? You know, it's wonderful to say, look, we're going to throw money at this over-the-top experience. But if that eats too much into the bottom line, you know, and we can't pay everybody, that's a problem. I really like that you just brought the staff into it too, because that truly can have such an in immense effect on the customer experiences. If your staff isn't happy with the things that they expect of the company, or, you know, they, you're throwing money at perks that they don't even want. And they're wondering why you're spending money on that. It's like almost a similar thing of like, this isn't Disney. That's not the, the perk I want. I just want health insurance paid for, you know? And so there's, I think there's so much to say about that too, of when your employees are happy, they're going to have an easier time giving 
service to your clients that will make your clients happy as well. You're right. We want to take care of our staff because they're the front lines. They're going to be the ones who are interacting as much, if not more, with our clients than we will be. Think about it. You, you know, Most listeners aren't going to have any idea who founded the Four Seasons. I worked there. I know this guy named Isidore Sharp who founded the first Four Seasons Motor Hotel in, I think, 1966 or so in Toronto, Canada. Mr. Sharp hasn't checked anybody into a hotel in decades. And that's the point. You know when you walk in those hotels, you're going to be taken care of. And it's not necessarily the guy behind, behind it, the original founder, who's going to be doing all the work. That's okay. How can we figure out how we can get the right people applying the right skills to move the needle for clients? It doesn't mean that everything has to be higher attorneys all the way down. And so I looked at it. When I started my firm, one of the first hires I made was getting people who could help me answer the phones. Why? Because that's something that doesn't have to be done by me, but it needs to be done. They can transfer the right uh, calls to me. If they can take messages, they can use Calendly to get the right people on my schedule. It frees me up and it allows me to take better care of everybody overall. I'm not scrambling to try and get everything done because I'm not buying into the, I have to do absolutely everything. I obviously am going to wholeheartedly agree with you on how important answering the phones is, but you do bring up the point of like, it is little things that just need to happen in a consistent way to make things run smoothly and be easier on everyone involved. Because if the team is able to have time to work on the things that really matter to the client by having somebody else answer the phones and do those important things and provide that good service when somebody is initially trying to hire you, then your clients are getting the best of both worlds. They're getting that person that's able to help them immediately. And then they're getting the expertise of the person in the back end who's actually going to do the work for them. And I think that's so valuable. Right. And it's taking the small tasks that you, that you as the attorney shouldn't be doing. Sure, you can do it. But even if it's getting it to 80% completion, so you're only taking it the final you know, 20% to get it across the line, taking that, that piece and getting that part of it off your plate helps you focus so much more on other things so that you've got the space, both mentally and time-wise, get everything done. Yeah, absolutely. So now I kind of want to learn more about you and your life. And how did you get to where you are now working at the four seasons and now coming up and going to law school and turning that customer service experience into something you implement in your law firm? Can you kind of give me the rundown of the life of John? Sure. So, <laughs> you know, Starting where we are right now, I am the owner and proprietor of Strohmeyer Law PLLC in Houston, Texas. We guide clients through the maze of probate, estate planning, and tax law to help them leave no unfinished business. Before that, I'd worked for a few other estate planning firms before I finally got the courage up to work for myself. Before that, law school, I did my under regular law school, sometimes call it under law degree at the University of Texas. 
and then went and, uh, because three years wasn't enough, I went to NYU to get my LLM in tax. Now, when I graduated college, I knew I was going to go to law school, but I just wasn't ready to do that. So between college and law school, I spent four years working for the Four Seasons, most of that as the night manager of the Austin property. What that meant was I'd show up between or show up at 11 o'clock at night, Tuesday through Saturday nights, leave around eight or nine in the morning. And ultimately, everything that happened in that hotel was on my plate. So I was responsible for room service and valet and housekeeping if we needed to do anything overnight repairs. The engineering crew still had people there 24-7 to fix things, as well as to get ahead on repairs. There was always stuff happening. We just had to do it with 13 people instead of about 120, like you'd have during the day. That is wild and sounds so overwhelming to me, but I think that that kind of experience is something that is so, so valuable for literally any other career that you could possibly have, unless you're like sitting in your basement on your computer doing data entry, like anything else, anything that you are talking to people or dealing with people on a day-to-day business, that is wonderful. Right. And you know, oh, so I was just going to say like the, the, thought that there we were, that being in a hotel, there's no monopoly. There's no licensure requirements the same way there is in law. And so Four Seasons had just staked out its little corner of the business and did does very well. And that was an important thing to see. Like just having the license doesn't protect you, from, you know, from all competition. You still have to survive one way or another. Yeah. And you need to have a way that you stand out, but you need to find that balance, right? So like the four seasons can go all out with their customer service to stand out, but then you want to strike that balance in your law firm of a middle ground where you're better service than the next guy without being over the top and laughed at by the people seeing your ads. Right. (laughs) I mean, it like could could we roll out, literally roll out red carpet for people arriving in the hotel? Yes, that happened a couple times while I was there. But most people didn't want that. They wanted to check in and get on with their day. They didn't need some over-the-top show while they were checking in or while they were doing something else. It was, they're at a hotel. They would like to do some hotel things, you know, hang out in the bar, or the restaurant, or the pool. But spending half an hour being entertained by any one person really wasn't on the menu. Now, they may have some specific requests and there were options for things like this, you know, like go to the spa, you're going to pay for those additional extras, but it wasn't something like every person who checks in gets a free massage. Why? Not everybody wants that. And if they want that, they will tell you and we'll make it available for the appropriate cost. So again, just not not wasting efforts when they're not wanted. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so if you could go back in time and meet yourself after you graduated law school, you've had this experience now of, you know, college and then working at the Four Seasons and now you've graduated law school or the first time. What is that thing that you would tell yourself? Oh goodness. Uh The path was pretty good for me. So I I look back and the the advice that I 
keep giving to people all the time is one that I got when I was leaving my second firm, but wasn't quite ready to open my firm. And one of my mentors told me, eventually we're going to have a phone call about trading the headaches of working for somebody else for the headaches of working for yourself. The, and the, uh, the real lesson was it's always going to be work. There's always going to be something to do. When I'm running this practice, at least the headaches are self-generated instead of coming in from elsewhere. And it's not as though that, you know, the grass is always greener until you get to the other side and you see it's the exact same color. Just knowing there are choices and that you get to choose the headaches you want has been really nice. And so that's probably what I start off telling myself just because I end up telling people that so often. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What is your favorite part of running your firm? What is the one thing that you just like really love doing and you are good at and are so happy that you have your firm so that you can be the one to do that? I really still like meeting with clients, coming up with plans for them. That is the best part because you're talking to people about the intricacies of their life and figuring out how can we make this work for them. Most folks show up and you know 90 plus percent of our clients have some plan that looks like leave it all to my spouse, otherwise to my kids. That part's easy. It's the fine grain details of you own this here or you own that there. How are we going to make sure that it gets transferred the right way? What can we do to make it easier? How can we avoid some road bump uh, bumps in the road that might be generated by a nosy neighbor or the child who doesn't play well with others? All sorts of things that we can do to make it easier down the line and not just, you know, sitting there right, right then with the client is easy enough to talk about it, but how do we make sure that they actually execute on it? Yeah. And that also plays into the experience because they're getting something extra by working with you of you thinking of those things. That is awesome. And so what do you do when you aren't practicing law? What, what kind of things are you into? So, uh, for exercise, I'm a marathon runner. I've run 44 of them at this point, like doing that. Um, my wife and I have three dogs. We have one foster with us right now, and then a kind of a nonstop parade of temporary fosters who come through. For the folks who are watching the video, you may see part of my Lego collection. So I've got some of that as well. You, But the way the camera is lined up, you're not going to see all of it, nor will you also see the complete disaster that my office is just outside of frame. You know, you really can't... Um you can't actually work from home if your office isn't a mess, right? Like <laughs> it, it just, it's, it's part of the, the process and nobody can see what I see looking at my desk that I make sure like this line is clear behind me, <laughs> but yep. I've got all kinds of kids toys at my feet just yep. for anyone wondering. Um, well, this has been really great. Where can people find you if they need, um, either estate planning help, or they want to learn more about your career, where can they find you? Uh, two places. One, I am on Twitter, so you can find me at John, the lawyer. If you're interested in more of my thoughts on client service, I have the five-star council podcast and we release episodes every week. If you're just getting started episode 66, the five-star 
Council Essentials. This was the episode we released about a year into the show, just to really kind of take stock of everything we'd said, what we had learned, and really reframe it. Because I started off the podcast thinking, all right, here, this is what I think. Some of the ideas have been refined over the years. So again, episode 66, Five Star Council Essentials. It's a great place to get started. That's amazing. Um, Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, everyone who's been listening. If you learned something or enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone else who might get some value. And that is it. Another great episode of Solo De Facto. We'll catch y'all next time. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat, one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebetties.com and mention the Solo De Facto show for an exclusive listener offer.